Yeah, it was it was an NFL quarterback, um, you know, of the future. Star was born last night. You know, he's he's a he's, and he's a great prospect. I'm excited for it, man. Excited as well, we are indeed. And we welcome the viewers and the listeners here back inside of our broadcast booth here on WNSC Radio, the Sevy Podcast Show, held by myself alongside co-host Jared Rojas here with us. And and frankly, Jared, you know, <laughs> we if if we got a lot to talk about today, that's just an understatement. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. James Harden, the bearded one. We got to get into that as well. We'll also get into our weekend observation lately. And, of course, give our pick for the divisional round in the NFL. But first, we'd like to go ahead and take care and talk about some of our sponsors here. Revamp Barbershop, Ricky Chandler and the entire gang located on the campus of UCF. We also have got Spreadshop. And, of course, Haifa Hookah Lounge and Discount Tire Shop, the official sponsors and partnership of Seven Podcast. And you guys already know the slogan we ain't even got to say. <laughs> and we all coming up here in Seven's Podcast. And we're back here on WNSC Radio, here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Jared, and frankly, you know what I'm saying? It has just been in, a hectic, man. I mean, when you talk about the month that James Harden had, I mean, it, it's, it's just frankly ridiculous. Uh, you know, in the month of December, and I kind of call this hashtag a December to remember. And let me just throw some numbers here at you. In the month of December for James Harden, 36.5 points per game averaging eight assists a game and nine rebounds. You thought that he couldn't cap off what he did last year winning MVP his MVP campaign. Think again. James Harden has come the most unguardable offensive weapon since Kobe Bryant has retired. I mean, the brother's got a wicked handle. He can make any shot from anywhere. He's got the three ball. He's a volume shooter. He's got the mid-range game. He's got the inside game. He could finish with either hand. And it is almost impossible to stay in front of him because he's mastered the art of drawing fouls. And, and I ask you this, Jared. How do you stop a guy like that? I mean, right now it looks like James Harden is playing my career mode in, in, in 2K. I mean, he's really just been dominant the, the whole month of December. Only three games did he score under 30, and he averaged, what, 36 points a game in the month of December? I mean, it really was complete dominance. I don't know how you guard him. Um, you know, he's a play, he's he's a playmaker as well as a as a scorer. So I mean, yeah, I think I think when you talk about the most offensive, you know, the most lethal offensive weapon, you know, we 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 have to talk about James Harden. I think I think you're right about that. We do, we do, and, and to kind of help us chime in in this discussion here, we've got none other, none other. <laughs> we had to bring Virginia in town. You know what I'm saying? We had <laughs> to shout out Virginia. We have none other. They call this man the guru, all things NBA, the product of Virginia Union, the play-by-play broadcast announcer for the VCU Rams, none other than Michael Gray on the hotline here with us. Michael, how you doing? Doing good, fellas. Thank you for having me. How y'all doing? Doing well, doing well. And, and Michael, we were just talking about, the. we'll just get to it here, James Harden, um, the most dominant force with the ball in his hands offensively and then not overall 
um, it, what's your take of his historic month and a half, pretty much? And I mean, he, he's got to be in the, the discussion of, of the MVP again, isn't he? Oh, not, not, without question, is he not, in, not only is he in discussion of MVP, right now he has to be the leading candidate. After that month that he just had, he, he's, I didn't think he would be back-to-back MVPs after last year, but right now you have to give it to him. So far, uh, he's, he's been, he was dominant. He put on a stretch in December. That we haven't, we probably like, like you said, we probably haven't seen since Kobe, and I, and I know that for a fact. That's my favorite. That was my favorite player growing up. So I, used to, I, I know a, a heavy scoring stretch when I see it. This is this is some amazing stuff. He can, he can. The only way you can stop James Harden right now is hope and pray that he doesn't get to the free throw line over ten times a game. And, and, and this is and this is what's crazy to me. You know, um, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan. You know, I bleed green, and 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 I know what Kobe Bryant used to do to us. I, I know right. he's he's one bad brother. You right. know what I'm saying. But um, what James Harden can do, I, I think, is is he's one of the more unique offensive talent that I think the, the league's ever seen. I'm not saying he's better than Jordan or Kobe offensively, right. but I think he's unique as in terms of the aspect that Kobe and Jordan were assassins and straight killers. Right. They, they would be and they would be anybody in front of them at the point of the attack, kind of like James can do at a certain thing. But what, what what's so unique in, in James's game is that you know, he can facilitate, uh, you know, with the ball because he, he'll make the right play if you double him. He'll make you pay and, and sh- knock it, throw it to some shooters out there, whether it's Eric Gordon or CP when he comes back, even um, Gerald Green to a certain extent. And he's he's number one in, in the league in, 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 its, in assists, and he's number one in free throw attempts and free throws made. Right. And that's, a game, that's an aspect of his game that we, we, we couldn't say about Jordan. We couldn't say about Kobe. I mean, as great as they were, they can, they don't get to the foul line in the volume that James does. And 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 let's just face it, man. You know, you 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 blow on this guy, the rest will just <laughs> they'll call the whistle. And so it's almost impossible to stay in front of this guy. But I I, I want to get you you guys' perception here, and I'll start off with you, Jay. What makes it so difficult to stay in front of James Harden? I mean, well, you look at how he drives to the basket. Um, I think that that's one of the key parts of his game that really separates him when he's going down the lane. I think that he takes a bunch of different, you know, you know, the the, the Euro and, and all the ways that he can get to the basket. Um, and it's hard to not foul him when he's going up to the basket. And, you know, he's a, he's an efficient free throw shooter and he'll kill you in every every aspect of the offense. And, you know, you got to like what you're seeing out of James Harden, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And, and, and what about that for you, Michael? Oh, yeah. I, I feel the same way. I mean, he like like you said, he's mastered. He's literally mastered how to get to the free throw line. A lot of players haven't, haven't done that and done that in this league so far, but he's literally mastered how to how to draw fouls, how to get you into the, to in a vulnerable position to where you have to have to foul him, man. And it's 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 amazing to watch sometimes because I think to start off the season, I, I think he came in out of shape and he wasn't. You could tell he wasn't in NBA game shape, but oh, as the season went on and and he started to get more games under him, he's just, he's his confidence is through the roof right now. He's he's just taking off. Absolutely, he he's taking off all right, and and he's got to be at least in the discussion for the MVP. I mean, I, personally, I think Kawhi Leonard and Giannis has has got to be the front runners right now, the top two. But I mean, is it, is it safe to say if if James continues this run, um, I don't think anybody can catch him, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think they, I don't think they can, because even though Giannis is having a great season, he's not putting up these type of numbers on a consistent basis. 
Um, and also Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard as well. Right, absolutely there for you. And and, and it's it's like I said, it's it's become almost impossible to stay in front of this guy because there there really isn't anything you can do when he gets going. And yep. <laughs> it, it got me thinking, you know, like what if Jordan, what if Kobe played in this era, this era that you know you you can't really tug him, you can't really hold him. Um, they don't allow you to get away with hand checks much like they did back in the early 80s and 90s. And we'll start off with you, Jared. Um, if, if James can average 36.5 in one month, how much Kobe and, and, and Jordan in this area, what do you think they would average? Yeah, man. <clears throat> it's really, it really is different. You know, the, these times, um, big men really aren't as valued as much. It would just have to, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you got to think that Jordan and Kobe would excel too. And Kobe, he really, I mean, he would really excel because, you know, the way that, the, the, yeah, I mean, the defenders right now, the way the way that you know the NBA has 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 gone, um, Kobe and Jordan would dominate. Um, but I don't know, I, you know, to the same extent, James Harden has really has really taken off, and you know, consistently every night, you know, he's in the zone, um, and it's hard. And once Chris Paul comes back, um, you know, these these Rockets are going to be a real problem in the NBA. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, once Chris Paul comes back, you know, that opens up the floor for everything because yep. now you, you don't have to give the ball to James's hands. Um, you know, he can take a backseat and let Chris Paul. Uh, be the orchestrator and be the catalyst, right there, Michael. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, and Kobe and Jordan, Kobe and Jordan would dominate this this era of basketball just because they would be so well respected throughout the entire league. Like one thing I've noticed from NBA players, current NBA players to this day, when they, when you, if you ask them who they who they feared more on the court, they 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 would tell you Kobe over a LeBron or somebody like that because Kobe just had that assassin. And Jordan as well. Kobe and Jordan just had that assassin, that killer mentality that they brought that every single game. There was no nights <laughs> off. So I, I think they definitely would dominate this era because it's, you, you see you see now, you see a lot of players taking nights off and uh, sitting whether sitting out or playing or not, or not giving it 100%. They, you, you, can go, you can go ahead and try that with Kobe or Jordan if you wanted to. You might get 50 on your head that night. <laughs> yeah, agree. Agreed there, agreed there. Uh, we've got the, the Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp, uh, Hall of Fame tight end for the Denver Broncos um, back in the early 90s there. Um, he got his take on James Harden and how special the Rockets' future Hall of Famer will be someday. A 30 score in NBA history. Mm. System. Get a lot of his That is true. He was. Oh, he's not, oh, first of all, he's not, he wasn't better than Sharunas Marcelonis. Oh, for that left. He was too. Yes. Man, you know Martin Nobly? Yeah. But Marcelona was like Nobly was something. Hey, he was just. Put Marcelona's in there with the Spurs and, and Tammy D. Okay, so here's the point about James Harden. I have never seen a player. And and, and that was the guys there on Undisputed there. Jay, Skip Bayless and, and Shannon Sharp talking about the greatness of, of James Harden and how he might be the best left-handed player that the NBA has ever seen. Ginobili was great, but, I mean, it, Harden, he's, he's just on another stratosphere, right? He, de- he, he definitely is. Man. This is it's, 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 it's crazy because we never, we've, we've never seen a lefty be able to handle like this, shoot, shoot consistently from three like this. this like, like you said, Ginobili was amazing. Don't get me wrong. Ginobili is a future Hall of Famer in his own right and, and, and all that good stuff. Like, he... He he's definitely put up a resume for his own, but individually, if we just talking about just individually as a player, he might be right. I don't think we've ever seen a left a left handed like James Harden. Absolutely. Offensively. 
absolutely there here. And we'll be back here on our straight commercial break. This is the Sebi Podcast Show live here on WNSC Radio. And we're back here. That show, myself, Jerry Rojas, the product of Virginia Commonwealth. Michael Gray here with us. Weekend observation. Weekend observation time. Yes, we'll recap some of wild card weekend matchup. The Bears, Cody Parkey, hitting the uprights, costing the game for the Chicago Bears. The Eagles, St. Nick. Nick Foles and that vaunted defense led by Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, the Eagles. Don't look now as a sixth seed heading to New Orleans. What happened to the Bears, guys? Man, hey, the Bears. I mean, you know, you 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 look at it. Um, these these Trubisky and 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 Lamar Jackson. You know, the not necessarily running quarterbacks in per se, but you know, the guys that have wheels and don't use their arm. You know, Dak Prescott is one. Um, you know, that really. The whole season, um, you got to look at it, and the Bears—they look good in the regular season, but you know, come postseason time, it is it is it is a different animal. And you know, the the Eagles front seven streaking right now on fire, and they came out and they and they really produced. And um, unlucky coach, you know, that it got blocked by you know um, by the Eagles on that on that last field goal. But people were really counting out the Eagles, and they gave them no shot. But you know, Nick Foles clutch. Uh, to Golden Tate there at the end, and it was just enough to to move on to New Orleans. Yeah, definitely. They, um, the Chicago Bears. One of the one of their keys to the loss was the fact that Mitchell Trubisky. It was his first playoff start, and he started off very slow. Like in the first half, it was hard for him to catch his rhythm. The Eagles defense, the front seven, like you said, was all over him, and. The, the Chicago Bears vaunted defense that was playing great all season and that came in the game so so um so hyped up they couldn't get that on on Nick Foles final drive they couldn't get that key stop on third down there were multiple opportunities on third down where they could have gotten stopped and Nick Foles just kept uh, making play after play after play until they found even on fourth down when he found Golden Tate in the end zone so yeah and, and then it was a uh, like both teams missed their two point conversion so that didn't help either. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You, a lot of people can say you can, you know, they lost the game on that kick at the end, but there was a lot of plays before that 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 weren't made where that that could that ultimately cost them their season. Ultimately, cost their seasons there for sure. Weekend observation: the third meeting, AFC South divisional foes. Andrew Luck, winners of ten of their last eleven, mm. went into Houston in an RG Stadium. Deshaun Watson. Red hot Deshaun Watson in a vaunted Texan defense led by Jadavian Clowney, JJ Watt, and others. They couldn't get the job done. Marlon Mack runs for 100. Andrew Luck throws for three scores. Don't look now, guys. The Colts might be one of the more dangerous teams going into Airhead, aren't they? No, yeah. I mean, it is it is uh, enemy territory they're going into, but I mean, they did it last week and. Um, you know Andrew Luck and that, and even the defense showed out too. And you know, um, like you like like we say, the streaking teams right now, um, playoff time, the Eagles of last year and this year. Um, you know, it's the Houston Texans peaked at the wrong time. You know, they went on that nine-game winning streak uh, during the regular season, and 
the Colts are peaking right now. And, you know, it, just, it, it happens like that sometimes. But um, Frank Reich and, and Luck really, really put some some wise words into their guys. And, you know, maybe or so, you know, so, so you may say. But the Colts really are, are, you know, on the right track right now, especially going into Arrowhead Stadium, taking on Patty Mahomes. Absolutely, man. The, the Houston Texans played the the wrong team at the wrong time. This coach team was one of the hottest teams in the NFL coming in, winning nine of the nine of the last ten coming into that game, and and they continued that streak. They came out the gates firing. They didn't they didn't punt in the first half. The, the offense was continuously driving the football. They cashed in with the touchdowns. Andrew Luck has been playing an MVP, at an MVP level all season long. And, and and the defense has has noticed has been slowly but surely getting better over the over the season as the season went on they got they continue to get better and they look they look like they're on fire the coach are, are the most dangerous team in the playoffs right now they have a great shot to go great, great shot this weekend against the Chiefs and 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 we'll see what happens but they're definitely the most dangerous team in football right now. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Andrew Luck and, and Frank Wright had definitely has the offense there to the team um, for the Indianapolis going heading into Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City team in the postseason that hasn't been playing well for a franchise in the postseason. Weekend observation. Zeke, Dak attack, Amari Cooper, the new triplets, the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott, 123 yards in the first half, 137 on the ground, staring down Pete Carroll, telling on both hands, feed me, feed me, feed me. The Cowboys, led by Lander Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith in the middle and that Vontae defense. Offense, they can run the football. Dallas, seemingly having the recipe to perhaps getting a win in a Coliseum next week, don't they? No, yeah, I mean they're they're winning in the ways that they need to because of you know the the limitations at quarterback. Dak Prescott really, you know, the arm isn't all the way there yet, but they're winning the ways that they, that they need to. Ezekiel Elliott is running for a hundred a game, and you know that defense is humming right now. So, and this is a team that you know they that they could potentially beat the Rams. Um, you know they 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 were hot in the beginning of the year, but they've shown that they can be beaten. Um, you know anywhere, and um, you know in L.A. Uh, it might be it might be a big Dallas crowd there, so it's you're gonna you, you you're gonna hear the Dallas fans and it'll be a good game. But um, I I'm not I'm not sure who's gonna who's gonna take that one, man. It's gonna be a good game. Dallas is is, is on fire, and um, we're gonna see if Jared Goff and and that Rams offense can do what they were doing in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, man. I, I'm torn between this game too because on one hand you have a Dallas team that is not a high offense high-scoring team. They're not going to... Dak Prescott's not going to throw for four, 400 yards and, 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 and light it up through the air. But but then you're going but then you're going up against a Rams team that although they have those offensive weapons and they can light it up the scoreboard, the last time we saw them in a playoff game in the Coliseum, they put up 13 points. So it's, 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 it's dicey a situation for me because you don't know which team is going to show up. But the Cowboys, like you said, the Cowboys are rolling right now. They, they had a solid playoff win against Seattle. Everybody pretty much took time in and did their part. Um, it, it really, to me, in my opinion, for this game coming up, it all depends. It really all depends on which LA team are we going to see. Are we going to see the LA team that we've seen throughout the majority of the season? Um, and if we do, I feel like they will win this game because I, I, I don't think that can and the Cowboys can put up enough points unless they play their style of game, which is uh, control the clock with Zeke. Now running the football, setting up the play action for Dak and, and Amari Cooper, and and playing solid defense on the back end. Um, 
but we'll, we'll see. It's, 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 I'm, a, it's, I'm torn for this game because I don't know which team is going to show up in LA. Definitely going to be a lot of fireworks there on Sunday night, Sunday, yeah. Saturday evening there in the Coliseum there in front of a lot of LA fans. Should be a lot of fireworks under the bright lights of Hollywood. Yep. Weekend observation. The Los Angeles Chargers, two weeks ago, getting embarrassed inside of their home turf against the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, one of the hottest running block offenses in the NFL coming into this game. The Chargers, top six in offense, top six in defense. Lamar Jackson, red hot. But at the end of the day, Phillip Rivers, Melvin Ingram, and co. got it done. They're entering this weekend into Foxville, Foxville with some swagger. The Chargers, perhaps the most complete team in the National Football League, aren't they? Yes. No. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, I mean, this is going to be such a good game. I mean, um, if I'm in the Chargers' shoes right now, I'd rather be taking on uh, Kansas City because you see them twice a year and, you know, you know what they're about. But, you know, you're going into the, you know, best quarterback or best playoff quarterback of all time stadium. Um, and that's going to be a tough game. But, you know, last week in Baltimore, they really brought it. You know, that was a playoff defense who really game planned well. Um, and they really shut down Lamar Jackson. You know, it was really those first three quarters were just pure embarrassing. I mean, um, they were really calm for Flacco, but um, you know it's gonna it's gonna be a fun game in Foxborough because those are two those are two playoff teams, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna see what happens. I think that you know, like I said earlier in the year, it's really hard to stop Tom Brady at home in the playoffs, and I think that you know um, Tom Brady will come out do it and do what he needs to do. It's gonna be a close one though, man, because Philip Rivers is gonna be right on his tail. Yeah, the Chargers defense definitely shut down Lamar Jackson in that throughout the first three quarters. I think I believe he only had 25 yards going into the fourth quarter. I think I think I do think a lot of that had to do with Marty Morningwig and the offense offense for the Baltimore Ravens not um, letting Lamar Jackson loose early in the game to get him to get a rhythm. They waited to the fourth quarter to really let let him air the ball out, uh, and, then, and then you saw saw the results. Maybe if maybe if he did that early in the game, it could have been a different result. But anyway. The, the Chargers definitely played played great. The defense was balling. Melvin Ingram, uh, uh, Phillips, number thirty-one in the back in the secondary had made made a couple got a couple turnovers. This 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 defense this this is the best. This is Philip Rivers' best opportunity to go up against Brady in the playoffs. Right? And I think he understands this. This is they're the they're the better complete team, but it's still going up against Tom Brady in New England. And you we all know that when you're going up against Tom Brady. And, and the New England Patriots is is, is that, that's a tall task up there in Foxborough. So it, it, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, I definitely feel like the Chargers are rolling right now, and they should have the upper hand team wise, like total team wise. Absolutely, a very fun game here. Brady seven and zero all time against Philip Rivers, two and zero including the playoffs, and Philip Rivers ready to right the wrongs of his postseason. You know, backlash throughout the other years. Yep. And we'll be back here and take a quick commercial break. You guys are listening to the Sebi Podcast Show here on WNSC Radio. Jared Gray on the hotline here. You're listening to WNSC Radio here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Antonio Brown saga, fellas. Antonio Brown, um, you know, it, 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 he comes from that from that 
first and foremost, we, we've got to say how great Antonio Brown is. You know, I, I think that um, in the past five seasons, only Jerry Rice has Antonio Brown numbers. Um, this is a guy that's phenomenal. I, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He might end up being the best Steeler receiver of all time, and, and that speaks volume. They've had a lot of great receivers. You're talking from Santonio Holmes to Heinz Ward to Lynn Swan back in the 70s. I don't think we guys were even a sperm at the time. <laughs> so, so, you know, Antonio Brown is as good as it gets. Um, if theoretically, if he keeps this up, he I don't think it'll be possible. But theoretically, he's the only guy that can potentially catch Jerry Rice as in terms of F catches and, and, and receiving yards. But it, it, that's a tall task. You know, Jerry Rice is just like 8,000 yards by a landslide. But um, when we talk about Antonio Brown, he, he comes from a very toxic locker room. This is a high-character guy, um, a, a guy that, you know, that that's not a hothead in, in the locker room, but he is a high-character guy. You know, he speaks his mind, very animated, has his own business outside of the NFL and playing football and, and, and pretty much he's fed up. You know, we understand that Ben Roethlisberger is in the latter parts of his career and, and Juju Smith Schuster is looked upon as the heir apparent to Antonio Brown. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, Antonio Brown is just fed up. He's saying that, Hey, we've been in the playoffs, you know, four of the last five years. We made it to two AFC championships in that spam, losing to Tom Brady and the Patriots. We've been so good on offense with Bell, Ben, and Brown, the killer bees, and we haven't had a Super Bowl run. And I, I think that, you know, it's just hitting them. Now, now I, I want to hear it from you guys. You know, is this a product of Mike Tomlin and, and losing the atmosphere in the locker room, or is this just Antonio Brown just being Antonio Brown? Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, Antonio Brown has, has always been that guy. I mean, not 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 in college, but to a small college, but you know, you 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 grow as an NFL star and, you know, he he might be the biggest NFL star right now. Um the cameras are going to be on him where, wherever he goes. So, you know, whatever he say and whatever he does is going to be put under a microscope. Um you know, you, you you look at some of the potential landing spots for him, um you know, through trade and um it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Although Antonio Brown is so great, you know, you have one of the, the best accurate accurate throwers in the league, you know, throwing to your your whole career. So, you know, we'll 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 see what happens and, and where he goes, but I don't think that this is good for the Steelers and I don't think that this is good for Antonio Brown either. And I, and it, it sucks that this had to happen to him. Now I want to intervene here, you know, uh, and ask this question now. And, and Mike, you you can uh, chime in here. Uh Antonio Brown, is he a product of of Big Ben Roethlisberger and that passing arid attack in Pittsburgh? Or do you think that if you just put Antonio Brown in any type of system, that dynamic of a playmaker that he is, he'd, he'd fit anywhere? Oh, if you put that, if you put Antonio Brown in any system, he's so he's that dynamic of a player that he's going to get his numbers. He's going to get off and, and produce for you. Um, but to, to piggyback off his, this situation, um, it's it's a dicey situation because this this situation right here reminds me a lot of the situation with the Dallas Cowboys and Des Bryant, and what I mean by that is this: the Dallas Cowboys let a lot of let a lot of things slide in the locker room as far as meetings and being late to practices and skipping meetings and stuff with Des Bryant to the point where 
it, it got later on in his career, you couldn't really tell him much of anything. But I think the same thing has happened here with the Steelers and Antonio Brown. Over the years, even back when Ryan Clark was playing with this, with Antonio Brown, there there was rumors that he was that Antonio Brown was that guy that was getting that was getting away with a lot of stuff, getting away with uh, being late to meetings, or he could say whatever he wants on the field and there's no repercussions. It's, it's, it was one of those dicey situations where they never nipped it in the bud and they never checked his attitude when he was when he was a rookie or when he was younger. So now he's a, a, a seven, eight, nine year vet. And he's one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. And he already feels like he can get away with anything in the organization. And you like like Ryan Clark may have said, you've created a monster. So it's a dicey situation that, I, to be honest with you, I don't really see Antonio Brown's attitude changing in Pittsburgh, especially since this is something that he's been doing for pretty much his majority of his career. I think it's a situation where the Steelers didn't miss, may have mishandled his attitude and mishandled how they do things and then set the standard, set the tone with him. Because once other other teammates see that he gets special treatment um, that they don't get, then they look at that as a problem. So they, and it, it, it causes a divide in the locker room, and you don't need that. So maybe a fresh start is what, is what the Steelers need and Antonio Brown need at this, at this point in time. But we'll see because that's a dynamic player that, that, you're, that you're getting rid of if you do. Because you're not just going to find another Antonio Brown out there on the market. Oh, absolutely. And the Antonio Browns of the world don't grow on trees. You know what I'm saying? The, the, this guy, it, what he's done, the, the the numbers are staggering when you look at them. I'm not really an analytics guy, although I do I do believe numbers don't lie. But when you look at the numbers, the production is second to none in what he's done since entering the league, especially in the last five seasons. The numbers are astronomical. Without but, yeah. you know, when when – when we look at this, and let's say Antonio Brown leaves, because I think he's out the door. Um, I just think that um, Mike Tomlin, firsthand, I think he'll be in the hot seat. But Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, those two guys will be the marquee um, players in this upcoming free agency, at least to me. Um, any possible um, destinations that you guys see? Perhaps um, the, the Browns are interesting, pairing him up with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. Or, or, or perhaps, um, you know, out there and and with the 49ers, along with Jimmy Garoppolo, any possible destination? No, yeah, being being a Bucks fan, I think it's scary because a team that that you know will will accept a guy like that is is the Panthers. I think that the Panthers could use a guy like that. And and earlier, you know, when I was talking about his numbers changing, that's what I'm kind of talking about. Um, you know, he's never gonna have under a thousand yards just because of the amount of money that you're paying him, he's going to get those amount of targets and, uh, you know, as well as his talent. He's just a great guy, made some athletic uh, plays. But, you know, if he goes to a Carolina or, or uh, you know, out, out, out there to uh, San Francisco with a young quarterback, you know, it's going to it's gonna take some gelling. You know, he's never had another, another quarterback in the NFL. And um, it's, it's going to be not difficult for him. Um, but I think that, you know, if he gets a Cam Newton who, you know, sometimes is, is erratic, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to cause frustration because he's, He's been laid some dots in his career, man. I mean, let's be real. Ben Roethlisberger has laid some some dimes in there for him. So, you know, and he's made some great plays. So, I mean, wherever he goes, he's going to be doing all that. But, um, you know, don't be surprised if he's not, you know, um, you know, catching every ball that he's targeted with. Yeah, absolutely. Like he is in – yeah, like he is in and that's, that's a hot take there because Antonio Brown and Cam Newton are actually best friends off the field. And, and, and that would be a great pairing out there in Charlotte, in Carolina. And, and Antonio Brown's always been about the money. Um, so I, I think he definitely would like a team there. And what about yourself, Mike? 
What? How, how does this sound, fellas? I think I think one one good destination for him could could possibly be the Indianapolis Colts. Wow! But another another just just being just being paired with uh, T. Y. Hilton, giving him another we- another solidified weapon out there. Andrew Luck is is is, is balling. So, and I think I think I think that 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 with 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 the running game of Marlon Mack, like like that, like Antonio Brown can definitely help stretch the field and, and make that offense more dynamic. But Another team that it could possibly go to that, that that might surprise you guys, the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, the Baltimore wouldn't that Ravens. be wouldn't that be a storyline in that, the that, division? That would, your division oh, rival, wouldn't that be something? That'd be something. You, 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 uh, Lamar Jackson is only going to get better with time. You're giving him a, another solidified weapon on the outside, and and it, all it would do is just make 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 that their entire offense better with that running game that they already have. So it's a it's a few options out there for him. Like I said, he's such a dynamic player that so many teams can use them and put him for this. He fits so many different systems. So it's it's definitely options out there for him. Definitely. No. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and to be clear, uh, Brown, you he's a he's a trade. You, you got to trade Antonio Brown, right? This is not a situation where you can just sign that's him out of free agency. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, yeah he that's right. He's still under contract. So you. Yeah. Yeah, and you got and you got to put that package deal together because you know you're gonna get a couple first round oh, yeah. picks for them at least, oh, yeah. you know. And oh, oh no, you know, yeah. and they're gonna create some type of cap room space, you know. If you're a good team and you got you know not that much cap space, you know, that's a huge contract that he's oh, under. Oh no for. doubt, and and I think that it would be best if the Steelers um, uh, uh, traded Antonio Brown. He his <laughs> you talking about a guy like I said that in the last five seasons only Jerry Rice has numbers that can compare to. Antonio right. Brown's value is through the roof. I mean, if Amari Cooper was getting a couple first round picks, what the hell Antonio Brown gonna get? So it, you, exactly, you know, so you know, yeah, and you got and yeah, you look at that and um, you know, Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, yeah, what are you gonna give up for him? What could you possibly give up for Antonio Brown? Now his stock went, I think, a little down because of how unhappy he is. So you got you know, teams know that they're trying to get rid of Antonio Brown. So maybe his stock went down a little bit in 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 you know in that state. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With this whole situation, yeah, his stock definitely went down, especially I mean, with teammates and a lot. Of, you know, players talk. And, and these NFL team players, they, they, they all communicate. They all understand what goes on. They, they understand this, that, you know, understand that bringing Antonio Brown to your team, although he's a great player, comes with some baggage. So Absolutely there. One thing for sure that we know, Antonio Brown, a great player, but the sweepstakes, the saga, the off-the-field stuff, the 32 teams will be bidding for him this upcoming 2019 free agency. When we come back, coaching vacancies. We'll mix and match in some of the coachings that are enlisted and candidates for this upcoming season. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Show here on WNSC Radio. At first, there was eight. There was the Broncos, the Jets, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Packers, and, 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 and a couple others. And now there's some that already has been solidified. Cardinals getting their coach. The Packers 
ironically getting Lafleur, offensive coordinator from the Titans. That's a little bit of a head scratcher. The big splash today, Bruce Arians going into Tampa. I know that makes Jared seem sad. <laughs> Along with defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. And, 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 and so far, thus far, uh, through these coaching vacancies, uh, what are some of the ones that, that's, that's, that's been uh, alarming as well as the, the, the best fits thus far? Nah, man, look. 21 today, Bruce Arians. You know, Bruce Arians, uh, uh, a Hall of Famer, especially after he wins us this, this Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Worked with Jameis since he was 13 years old. You know, knows his guys. He's bringing in his guys. Todd Bowles, he has Jason Light here. You know, he's going to be at home. He's going to have full control for these next four years, potentially five. Um, and it's going to be fun. You know, he's really going to take over. There's no games to be played at this point. You know, you got to win now. Um, as far as the, the Packers, LaFleur, yeah, you're right. It is really, you know, it really is a head scratcher. He got he got the first round pick in, in, in Mariota. And that offense really hasn't thrived as much as people thought it would. You know, you spend a second round pick on a quarterback and, you know, he's supposed to turn into that, to that guy. And you can say the same about Jameis as well. Um, and then um, also Clinsbury going to the to the Cardinals, correct? Right, Clinsbury to the Cardinals. That's right. Yeah, and, and and that one will be interesting as well. You know, these college coaches, I'm not I'm not ever really sold on them, but you know, you got to start somewhere. So let's see let's see how he does it. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. He's he's uh, highly talented for for bringing up Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech, um, but he had four losing seasons there. So it's it's you know also an interesting hire in my opinion. But, um, you know, we'll see going forward. You know, these aren't good teams per se. You know, the Browns potentially have the best roster of the of the eight. So, I mean, you know, you look you look at all of it, but Arians has definitely been, you know, the, the biggest name, you know, to be signed yet. And I think that he will be the biggest name in 2018 or 2019, the, you know, the, the, the biggest coach, you know, first year. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm, I'm excited, man, to say the least. Well, what resonates to me and what what's what's uh, stands out to me is two things in particular. One, um, it's it's going to be interesting because of the, the the big guys. We're talking Adam Gase. We're talking Mike McCarthy. Um, Vic Mangio right now is uh, one of the last two candidates for the Denver job. Um, what a job he did with the Chicago Bears defense this year. So uh, th- those that stand out to me. But the second thing that stands out to me is the LaFleur thing. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he, he worked under Kyle Shanahan when Matt Ryan won MVP in 2016. Uh, he worked with McVay in 2017 when they changed the culture out there in L.A. with the Rams and Todd Gurley won Offensive Player of the Year. And so he has this innovative and creative mind as a play caller. But what's but 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 the, the 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 backlash to that is okay. Well, you you got your opportunity in Tennessee. You're an offensive coordinator. You learn between those two great offensive guys. You got Marcus Mariota. I didn't see any creative or innovative stuff with the Titans game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't see a lot of Titan games. But the eye test showed me I didn't see anything from Mariota. You look, they are 25 in passing, 27 in pass attempts. They're in the middle of the pack and rushing because they're a good running team with, uh, obviously, Derrick Henry. And, 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 and then you look at turnovers and on offense, and they're third. Uh, they're in the bottom third in, in that as well. And so that's what's alarming to me. Why would the Green Bay Packers gamble on that? And, and, and do you feel the same way there, Mike? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the job that... Um, 
you know, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with the job that he did um, with Sean McVay, maybe. Like, because, you know, he, he was, he, 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 he's good friends with Sean McVay, and, you know, they have a brilliant offensive mind that that time that they had with down there with Kyle Shanahan and what they were able to do with that offense in Atlanta. No, knowing that Aaron Rodgers still has some time, Aaron Rodgers still has some years under him. I guess they wanted to get somebody that would fit him. Obviously, whoever the head coach was had to be, um, had to, Aaron Rodgers had to approve because it was a lot of rumors that Aaron Rodgers had a lot to do with Mike McCarthy getting booted out of Green Bay. Right. But um, it's it right now. It, right now, it looks like a head scratcher. But during the season, you never know. They they, they may have put something together that, that makes that makes all this look special. And and you never know. We might see the Aaron Rodgers of old that we that we're accustomed to. Right, right, right. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And, and, and guys, would you say that I, I personally, to me, I think the top two uh, jobs to me are the Jets and the Browns. Um, you got the great young quarterbacks. Um, you've got solid defenses, Lennon Williams, Jamar Adams in, in New York, and you've got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and others in, in, in Cleveland. Um, any guys in particular that stands out that you think would be the best fit for those jobs and, and, and perhaps some other good uh, jobs that I didn't list there. Well, um, you know, Todd Munkin down here in Tampa Bay, he did a fantastic job with, with, with Jameis and these receivers, and he was the offensive coordinator, although Dirk Cutter did did most of that. But, you know, he's gotten some interviews, and I'm sure that, you know, if a job falls out, you know, between a, a coach and the Jets or, you know, something like that, that you could see Todd Munkin in there. And that's a, and that's a really, you know, underdog coach who, you know, really didn't have much traction on his name at the beginning. But, you know, he's had a couple head coaching jobs and uh, head, head coaching um interviews that is and you know we'll see we'll see what he does that's an interesting one and also jim caldwell too um i've seen his name pop up a couple times not necessarily for the jets but you know for a few teams and it's going to be interesting to see where the rest of these teams go you know a lot of them young and have potential so you know they're trying to find the right guy and you know you got to think that the browns are definitely going to do that and you know hopefully that the jets will too with sam darnold in that yeah in that young defense yeah, yeah, these are definitely like you said the, the the two most attractive teams to come to because of the young stars that they have in the bright future that's that is ahead of them. Um, I like okay, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis never won a playoff game in Cincinnati. He, he was there for a long, for six, oh, sixteen years, and 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 never won a playoff game. It just wasn't the right fit for them. But I feel like he's still a good coach. And I feel like he's still a leader of men. He's still someone that can get the job done, just not for Cincinnati. I feel like if you plug him into another organization, like the Jets or the Browns, he's he he's that much of a leader of men. Where where, they, where they, he he can galvanize the troops, and 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 they and they and they'll definitely play hard for him. I like Dirk Cutter as well. Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter just just signed with the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just breaking news on that. <laughs> and that sucks for me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are in the same division in Tampa. But but one that's that's pretty interesting to me. Um, I I know he's a he's got scrutinized and 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 they boot him out of Green Bay. But um, I still think Mike McCarthy is a great coach. He won that Super Bowl. Um, he's ex- as good as it gets. One of the great offensive callers. He perhaps may have lost his swagger these last couple seasons, but um, maybe and just maybe he might he might just need a, a change of scenery. And, and I think what better 
what better a, a, a place to be than another franchise and, and to show that hey I am capable to be one of the best single callers and perhaps one of the best coaches in the NFL but I wanted to have you guys uh, take on this um, Josh McDaniels Josh McDaniels name has been in uh, coaching hot seat for a very long time these last couple of years um, we all know what happened he was supposed to take the Indianapolis job with Andrew Luck uh, that would have been a great pairing, by the way. But, but he denied that. And um, and he's saying that he wants to stay in New England and quotes that um, he's got the best job in the world. Obviously, he's got to go, um, you know, to instruct. And so um, is this perhaps Robert Kraft retirement plan for Bill Belichick? Or is it just that, you know, Mike, uh, you know, McDaniels is just at ease. And, and this is interesting to me because he's one of those creative offensive uh, uh, gurus and offensive minds and the great play calling like the Naggies, the Andy Reeds, the McVeighs of the world that are getting the publicity for, for uh, interviews. And he's just been dismissive. What's what's the mindset of, of Josh McDaniels there? Well, for me, if I'm a if I'm an owner or a GM or anything like that, I would I wouldn't touch him as as my head coach because you know you got to look at the character it takes to, to to go up to Indianapolis and say you're taking that job and then you know you know back out at the last second you know he did that and um, who knows the motives behind that you know what I'm saying um, when he initially did it yeah that was my, my first reaction was he's going to be the successor of Bill Belichick and. You know, the Patriots have have offered him that job, you know, maybe in two or three years down the road. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think McVeigh, I mean, I think that McDaniels should should stay. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, you have Brady and, you know, he, I think that he has the keys to, to the organization once Belichick and, and you know, uh, Brady move on. I could be wrong, but I think that's probably the best, you know, the best way to look at it, probably. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, man. I, I think that the only reason, because it was it was it was a dicey situation when he just when he basically gave his word that he wanted to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and backed out like that. It it it, 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 it's a, it took everybody aback. It was shocked everybody because we, we're not used to saying that. You know, we you normally stand on your your man and your word. You say you're gonna do something and do it. But he came back to New England, and, and then this year he's not even. We're not even having the conversation of what team he's going to this year. It's just he's making it known before the season's even over. I'm staying here in New England. I think yeah, he's been in this. He's been in that system long enough. He's been with that organization long enough where longevity starts to kick in. Um, he, he he feels like that. Like you said, I think he's trying to save up for a spot for that head coaching job once uh, Bill Belichick decides to hang it up. He feels like the longer he stays there, and the more he gets acclimated with Robert Kraft and the more he continues to, you know, stay stay in that eye and consistently build that offense, then he feels he feels like that, that head coaching job is going to be his in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. And don't you guys think just the irony, you know, we always get back to the Patriots with some saga. The Flake Gate, Spike Gate, whatever gate, Water Gate, who knows? <laughs> he, Richard Nixon might be part of that. <laughs> Nevertheless... <laughs> been a great show here on the seven podcast show we want to thank all the listeners all the viewers and all of the partners and the sponsorships that made this podcast possible you know the names revamp barbershop discount tire shop haifa hookah lounge and spread shop as well we want to thank our guest star here michael gray for being with us the product of virginia union thank and of course this has been sebi alongside co-host jared rojas 
This has been the Semi Podcast Show here on WNSC Radio. And for now, we say so long for that.